This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. A long time ago, Solomon wrote, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Just, just suppose God should communicate with us today directly. Suppose God would look down from heaven and, and He would look at America. And He said, I've got a solution to what's going on in America. What do you suppose He would say? Well, today we're going to look at one passage of Scripture and it contains God's answer for a troubled nation. Please stay tuned. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And this course is designed to help you get to know your Bible. So we're going to pause just long enough for you to learn how to receive the course and something about the course itself. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In the Old Testament, God had commanded His people to build a temple. And He even gave instructions or pattern for the building of that temple. Now David had wanted to build the temple, but because David was a man of war, God would not allow him to do so. But, but He did allow David's son Solomon to build the temple. That's the reason it's often referred to as Solomon's temple. He led in the building of that temple. And when the temple was completed, and when they had a dedication service, and in particular on that occasion, Solomon incidentally prayed for God's blessings to be with them as they dedicated it to the service of God. And after the festivities of the day, Solomon retired for the night, and God came to him and He said, Solomon, this is paraphrasing, of course. Solomon, I've heard your prayer. And I want you to know, Solomon, that as long as the people serve me faithfully, all will go well. But if the people ever turn away from me, now hard times are going to come. And in the midst of that, God made this promise that is recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and verse 14, But if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal 
the land. I don't think that it takes a person with an eagle's eye to see that America is in moral and spiritual trouble. You think about the scourge of drugs in our nation. So many of the problems that we're having socially stem from the drug use in this nation. You think about the crime in the streets, murders, rapes. You think about abuse, spousal abuse, children being abused physically and sexually. You think about the, the increase of drug trafficking in our country and sex trafficking in our country. And you think about the, all of the outbursts of, of hatred and violence that you hear today, not just abroad, but in our country as well. There was a time that if you're old enough, you can at least remember a time when our country was looked upon by all the nations of the world with a great deal of admiration and respect. But we're not able to say that today because we have, we, we have now gained the hatred of a great many people in this world. And it makes you wonder, what does the future hold? What can we do about the future? I believe God's text that, that we found in the Old Testament is for our learning, for our admonition, for our instruction today. Because it contains some principles, if followed, would be God's answer for a troubled nation. I want you to note, he says, first of all, if my people... Uh, there are over 7 billion people in our world. It's difficult for me to, to process that, but over 7 billion people, the majority of whom have, uh, cannot acknowledge God as being their father. You, you see, they're not all the children of God. He could only wish they were. It is our prayer that they would be. But you see, Satan has a family. In John 8, Jesus said, You are of your father, the devil. So Satan has a family. He's the father of that family. But what a blessed privilege it is to be able to call your God your father and to be his child. In 1 John, the third chapter, verse 1, John wrote, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon you that you should be called the children of God. What a blessed privilege it is to know God is your father. To be able to say, I am God's child. To be God's child and to have God as your father, you must be born into his family. In John the third chapter, a man by the name of Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And Nicodemus said, Rabbi, which simply means teacher, we, we know you're a teacher that has come from God because no man can do the miracles that you're doing except God be with him. And Jesus, knowing what's in hearts of men, according to John 2, 24, 25, said to Nicodemus, Except a man be born again, he cannot see 
the kingdom of God. Now, to see the kingdom of God meant to enjoy the benefits, pleasures, and blessings of the kingdom. So Nicodemus comes back and he asks, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see, Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth. Nicodemus was thinking about a fleshly birth. So Jesus in John 3 and 5 asked, answered Nicodemus' question, How a man is born again? And in verse 5 he said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And, in, and being born again is not a nice suggestion on the part of the Lord. It is an imperative command of God. John 3 verse 7 says, You must be born again. And to be born again, he says, We are born of water and the Spirit to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I've long believed that the Bible is the best commentary on itself. That is, if you really study the Bible, it begins to explain itself. And the best commentary on John 3 and 5 is found in the book of Galatians, the third chapter, verses 26 and 27. Verse 26 reads, For we are all the children of God. That's what we're talking about, being in God's family and having God as our Father. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, did put on Christ. How do we put on Christ? How do we clothe ourselves with Christ? We're baptized into Christ as believers in Him. So John was told, John wrote in John 3, 5, that to be born again, you're born of water, and you're born of the Spirit. Are you a child of God? I'd urge you to consider seriously becoming a child of God. But, but, but God continued to say, If my people which are called by my name, my people called by my name, what were God's people called in the Old Testament? Well, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And in wearing the name Israel, you realize that the name, the name God was embodied in the very name they wore. El, meaning God. Israel, Prince of God. But God promised that He was going to give a new name for people to wear. There's a prophecy in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 62 and in verse number 2. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory. Thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. I wonder what that name could possibly be. He said the Gentiles are going to see God's righteousness in all kings your glory, and then you'll be called by a new name, which God would give to them. What is that name? Well, I find it interesting that it is after the conversion of Cornelius, a Gentile, in Acts the 10th chapter, that in the very chapter following that, that in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, the Bible says that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. That was the name God gave to His people. God said, I want my people who are called by my name that are wearing my name. There's a lot more to being a Christian than just wearing the name. You know, 
when I say I am a Christian, I'm acknowledging the fact that I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ. I am His disciple. I am His follower. I am learning from Jesus. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, my name, well, what are they to do? If they, number one, will humble themselves. Now, that's not a very easy thing for some people to do, to live lives of humility. But, but I know how important it is. It was Solomon who said that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. And so the old maxim is true, the way up is down. In Luke 18, Jesus talked about two men that went up to the temple to pray. Well, one of those men was a Pharisee. The other man was a publican. And the Pharisee stood and he prayed like this, Lord, he said, I, I want you to know, Lord, how, how thankful I am that I'm so much better than other people. He said, I, I'm, I, even that publican standing over there, I just thankful God that I'm so much better than other people. And he said, Lord, I want you to know I'm, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And Lord, I want you to know I'm keeping my marriage vows. You say, well, is that in the Bible? You go right read Luke 18, 9 to 14. Now here stands the publican at a distance. The text says that he would not even so much as lift up his eyes to heaven. And he smote his breast and he, this is what he prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now folks, Jesus analyzed those two people. Just, just like Jesus is analyzing you and analyzing me. And Jesus said, now this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. That is, the publican who, who asked God to be merciful to him went down to his house justified rather than the other. And then Jesus said, everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, that is, brought down. But he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You see, God said, I want my people who are called by my name to be possessed with humility, to humble themselves. That's not a very easy thing for some people to do, to humble themselves. And I read a little story once about a man who was a peddler going around from a little country store to another and peddling his wares to the store owner. And he went to this little country store and there was a little boy behind the counter and and he, the, the man said, is the proprietor in? Is the, is the boss of this store in? He said, oh, no, sir. He said, today, I'm the whole cheese. He said, well, son, when he gets back in, you tell him he's just about out of cheese. You see, so many people think the whole world revolves around them, that they're the center of the universe. But God said, I want my people, I want my people, to humble themselves. If we want to save this nation, we'd better humble ourselves before God. And then God said, I want my people that are called by my name to also to pray. I want them to be a praying people. 
Suppose I ask you, did you pray last Tuesday? You say, well, now, that's a strange question to ask. Why would you ask a question like that? Because if prayer is your lifestyle, you know the answer to that question. You see, prayer to a Christian is like air. We can't live without the air, and you can't live without prayer. You see, God said, I want my people to be a people of prayer. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. I don't believe Paul is suggesting that we go around all the time with our hands folded like this and, and constantly with our head bowed repeating prayers. He's telling us that prayer ought to be our lifestyle. We, it ought to be a part of our life every day that we live. And then Jesus in Luke 18 and 1 said, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. And to faint means to lose heart. Sometimes we lose heart and we fail to pray. The disciples came to Jesus in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, and they said, We want you to teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. I prefer Philip's translation of that passage. It says, teach us how to pray. Teach us how. That's in fact what they wanted to know. You see, they did not know proper, how to pray properly. I heard about two fellows being chased across this open field by a ferocious bull. And there wasn't a tree that they could climb to get away from the bull. There wasn't a fence they could jump. And one of the men cried out to the other man and he said, Pray, John, pray. I said, I never learned but one prayer in all of my life. He said, well, pray it, John. He said, Father, for what we're about to receive, make us thankful. Well, I think there are two fellows that needed to learn how to pray, don't you? There is power in prayer. James 5, 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray you one for another. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There's power in prayer. Just suppose that people all over this land and country began to pray for this nation. Suppose we got down on our knees before God in humility and to pray seriously that God would intervene in the affairs of this nation for good. I guess I'm just naive enough to believe God would do it. God would do it. God wants my, His people to pray. There are blessings He will give us if we ask for them. You have not because you ask not. You just think of all of the blessings that, we could, that, that are available to us, but God said, I want you to ask. And guess what? He's able to answer. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is, uh, that He is able exceedingly, He is able to, to uh, answer our prayers, uh, whatever we ask, whatever we think about, God is able to answer the prayers that we pray. My people, which are called by my name, humble themselves. And folks, we need to pray, don't we? You need to pray, I need to pray, Billy needs to pray. To get down on our knees before God and ask for God's blessings. I call that a veiling prayer. When we really get serious with God about prayer. God said, I also want my people 
who are called by my name, not only to humble themselves, not only to pray, but I want them to seek my face. To seek my face. Uh, to, to, to seek God in their lives. You can wait till it's too late to seek Him. You say, well, I didn't know that could happen. Well, ask the foolish virgins in Matthew chapter 25. You hear the, hear the, the story, the, the, the ten virgins and five were wise, five were foolish, and while they were waiting for, for the bridegroom that came, they slumbered and slept, and at midnight a cry was made, the bridegroom's coming. And they got up and they began to trim their lamps, and the, and the foolish said, we didn't bring enough oil for our lamps, our lamps are gone out, give us, give us some oil. They said, no, you should go get it for yourself. You, you see, they were not seeking. They were not seeking. They were not prepared. You can wait till it's too late to seek the face of God. That's why Isaiah said, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him when? While He is near. Call upon Him. Well, someone says, What does it mean to seek God? Well, let's go to a passage in the New Testament and see, see, see if that helps us. Matthew 6.33 But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If we'll seek His kingdom, if we'll seek His righteousness, well, what is God's righteousness? Well, in the Old Testament, in Psalms 119, verse 172, the psalmist said, All your commandments righteousness. There's no way that I can seek God without seeking His law. Isaiah 34, 16 says, Seek ye out of the, the book of the law and read. We need to seek the Word of God and to be followers of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 11 and 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of all of them that diligently seek him. Are you seeking him? Are you seeking him? Have you ever become a New Testament Christian? Have you ever given your life to Christ? And God said, here's another thing my people are to do. They're to turn from their wicked ways. Oh, my ways don't look wicked. Not to me, not if I'm comparing myself to some person who's out here in the streets that is killing people. And oh, I look pretty good. But when we start comparing ourselves with Jesus, when I start comparing myself with perfection, I don't look too good. Well, somebody says, what's a wicked way? I think a wicked way is anything that would keep me from being the best follower of the Lord Jesus Christ I can possibly be. It might even be my attitude. It might be negligence in my life. It, it, it may be that I'm not showing enough love to other people. But whatever it is that keeps me from being the best I can be, I need to get rid of it, don't you think? Well, now, what did God say He would do if we were to do what He asked? He said, I want you to, 
to, to, to pray. I want you to be humble. I want you to seek my face. Turn away from the sin in your life. What will God do? For God said, I'll hear from heaven. Think about that. God will hear from heaven. He's not deaf. And 1 Peter 3 and 12 says, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. God can hear. I was talking with a young woman one day. She had asked if I would come to see her, and, and we were sitting at uh, a McDonald's, I think, as, it, as I recall. It's been so long ago. But nonetheless, she, she and her husband had just divorced, and, and she was miserable with him. She was miserable without him. She said, would you talk to him and see if we can get back together? So I did. That didn't work. But I said, are you going to church now? She said, no, sir. I said, you need to have those children in church. You need to have those children in Sunday school. She said, Brother Lambert, I, I don't believe that if I were to pray that God would hear me. I said, well, I'll tell you what I'd like for you to do then. I want you to get off by yourself somewhere. Just you and God. I want you to ask God to strike you dead. Oh, she said, I wouldn't dare do that. I said, why wouldn't you do that? She said, because I'm afraid he might do it. I said, now you think about what you just told me. You just told me that you believe that if you were to ask God to strike you dead, he would do it. And that if you ask God for help, he wouldn't do it. I said, that's not the God of the Bible. He will hear you. And God said, I will forgive your sin, and He will forgive your sin today if you'll give your life to Jesus. And when God forgives, He remembers our sins no more. Jesus said you must believe in Him to be baptized, to be saved. Mark 16 and 16. But here's what also God said. I'll heal the land. Friends, that's God's answer for a troubled world, a troubled nation. I want to thank you for watching today. I want to urge you right now to call for the free Bible correspondence course. And also, you have an invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And until we meet again, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you is my fervent prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God you can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible. 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.